short side of the virtual hardwood, it's the MLC Podcast. This is episode 480. I am Andrew, Andrew in our forum, Andrew NLSC on Twitter. Joining me as always, my co-host Derek, DP3 in our forum, and DP3G and DP384 on Twitter. Derek, it might surprise some people to hear it, but we revisited NBA Live 15, and it was a really, really, really fun session. What an exciting game, and, and that was actually the first time you and I have connected on NBA Live 15 and finished a game. There is no co-op option, so we had to go head-to-head. I was the Knicks, and you were the Clippers, and there was so much back and forth in the game, especially in the last two minutes of the fourth quarter. It came down to you know a Carmelo jump shot, then a J.J. Redick three, then uh, another Carmelo jump shot, followed by a Matt Barnes contested three, and then Mallow kind of took over at the end and ended up hitting uh, a game-winning three. And NBA Live 15 was not incredibly well-received, obviously more well-received than NBA Live 14, and it definitely made a lot of improvements over that version. However, there are so many positive elements to that game that are not often talked about, and the game can actually really shine head-to-head with another human. I agree. And look, Live 15 made a, a poor first impression. The uh, the animations weren't as smooth and lifelike as, uh, as NBA 2K, NBA 2K14, or NBA 2K15 at the time. It didn't, uh, didn't jump out at people as a next-gen title. There was stiffness to the animations, stiffness to the movement, and uh, it certainly didn't have a lot of the features of a 2K14 or 2K15, and only a few more features than uh, Live 14, for that matter. But on the sticks, you know, I played it a lot back in the day, played Ultimate Team. That was my first time getting into the card collecting modes, and I did enjoy it. I mean, I definitely could feel the uh, the shortcomings and kind of compensate for them. But when you know how to play that game, when you know basketball, Derek, NBA Live 15 is actually quite a fun game. Uh, it does have its moments of frustration, obviously, because of the uh, momentum and, and the stiffness, and we'll get into that shortly, of course. But yeah, it was such a fun session, and that back and forth was uh, was so much fun. Very competitive, playing over Parsec, which is awesome, as we've said so many times before. And yeah, that, that back and forth and that video, you put together the reel that is on our YouTube channel, and you can see just how much fun we're having and, and how good the game looks when something works properly. And I know I've said it before, but when something works properly and looks good, it looks really good. And there are some great animations amongst the, uh, the kind of wonky ones as well. And how much does the presentation help, the atmosphere in that game the crowd is loud they react accordingly based on what's going on uh, uh you know in between the lines the jeff van gundy and mike mike breen sound exactly like they do in real life in that game and you know you went up big in the first quarter of that game and jeff van gundy after you hit a jump shot goes this is a joke mm. taking a shot at me just like he would in real life yeah, the presentation definitely helps a lot. The sound effects are great. The 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 game is very bright, which is an issue that I had with NBA 2K15. All the stadiums were dark. Um, it looked kind of unrealistic because of that, and it wasn't as exciting sometimes to get on the sticks with as a result. But the you know that the Madison Square Garden looks unbelievable. The the Knicks court, um, the the player models, I actually really like those in NBA Live 15. Sure, a couple of them are a little bit too jacked and everything based on the player they're trying to represent. But overall, I like the player models. Um, just the game feels alive, and that presentation definitely helps. <laughs> 
no, they, they really started benefiting from the ESPN license in uh, Live 14 and certainly Live 15 as well. You've got Jalen Rose there doing the pre-game and the halftime and post-game report, which is a different voice in the game, which helps as well. Yeah, uh, Jeff Van Gundy sounds more excited in that game than he does in the NBA Finals this year. Um, hopefully somebody can pull him aside and tell him to uh, at least fake some enthusiasm for that. Uh, whole other topic altogether. But yeah, I love that ESPN presentation. Uh, obviously, the presentation in 2K is fantastic as well, and they were working with uh, former producers from NBA on TNT. So they do have that uh, that, that TV-style presentation down in 2K. But it just adds something else, Derek, when you have that authentic presentation, that integration with an actual network and their branding in the game it just adds something extra it absolutely does it's i mean it's the same reason why nba 2k tried to get the real halftime crew from tnt yeah into the game you know it's the same reason why they put kenny smith uh and you know ernie johnson in there and then Shaq as well um when things happen on the court and they're reacted to accordingly it just adds so much to the immersion i i took you in the post with Carmelo Anthony and did, you know, a ball fake and backed you down and, you know, hit a spinning fadeaway on the baseline. And the ball had, you know, bounced off the rim a couple times and went in more realistic rim mechanics than we even have in NBA 2K23, Andrew. And just the way that Breen and Van Gundy acted, you know, after I hit that shot, it was just like they would act in real life. And there were just so many realistic moments in this game where, you know, I would throw an up fake on the perimeter and either get the guy in the air or make him question what I was going to do. And sometimes that was you who was controlling the defender on the ball. And then I would step in and I would hit a jump shot. And it was very mellow-esque. It looked excellent. There was another play where you grabbed an offensive rebound with DeAndre Jordan and you went up and flushed a two-handed monster slam. And it looked like something the primed DeAndre Jordan would do. I think people forget how ridiculously athletic DeAndre Jordan was never forget that dunk he had on Brandon Knight where Brandon Knight just collapsed to the floor but you you know you were using JJ Redick and Matt Barnes realistically and the game allowed you to do that you also threw two lobs to Blake Griffin and while the lobs kind of look herky-jerky sometimes I think the word you used was janky yeah Uh, a bit wonky yeah but yeah but you know what they work And I had to worry about Blake Griffin being a lob threat in that game. And this wasn't your prime Damari Stoudemire. So for me, um, I wasn't really throwing it down with Amare. I was doing little hook shots at the hoop. I hit a little mid-range jumper with him. I was doing some cleanup work because Amare was, you know, going downhill at that point. And there was just a lot of realistic elements to that NBA Live 15 game that we played. And... I think, like you mentioned earlier, you can usually tell by how a person is playing the game if they understand the teams that they're using, the players that they're using, and if they understand the game of basketball. And I think a lot of times when people you know, preview these games or upload videos to YouTube, um, they don't know the players that well. They don't know basketball that well. And that's why sometimes that action just doesn't look as good. Well, that's the thing. You look back at the previews of Live 15, and even the previews of Live 14 that the developers were doing, where they were streaming the game, or just showing off, uploading a video to YouTube, showing them playing the game, it actually didn't look too bad, because they knew what they were doing, they knew the mechanics of the game, obviously, but also basketball as well. And it does look better when you uh, when you know what you're doing. 
And we've talked about it before when you see the footage from Gamescom or other conventions where you've got somebody who doesn't really know what they're doing, doesn't know basketball, playing the game uh, off a shaky recording recorded off the screen uh, on top of everything else, but they're just running around uh, haphazardly, throwing up shots, uh, throwing up bad shots from 40 feet, or even just driving into the paint and just throwing up a contested shot uh, because they're not trying any elusive moves or anything. And the game looks terrible because it's not being played well. Uh, I think we did a great job of playing NBA Live 15. I love how that footage came out, and again, that it was such a competitive game down to the uh, the last shot there. Uh, I wish I wish I could have forced overtime. That would have been that would have been fun, obviously. But uh, yeah, the, there was a uh, defensive lapse, a very realistic defensive lapse there at the end, which uh, left Melo wide open, and you took advantage of it. And to that point, that's what you do. That's what real basketball. When you're playing real basketball, you take advantage of those mismatches and those miscommunications. So that was a really good sequence there. Uh, you also had a great pulling the chair sequence on defense. Uh, which prevented me from uh, scoring on the play beforehand. So just, just I think a really well, um, well played game by us, uh, to be honest. And and yeah, it was a lot, of, a lot of fun moments. Even when the animations didn't have the same variety as a two K fifteen, obviously, it just still felt fun to throw those lobs. Although I did throw a couple of lobs I didn't want to because, uh, as, as did you a couple of times because we have been playing other games where uh, where the B button does something else. So we had a couple of uh, lapses of our own there, and that does happen when you go back and forth between games sometimes and have that muscle memory, but. Yeah, it just felt fun. When, 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 I, when we pulled off those lobs and pulled off those drives and those big uh, poster dunks, it just felt good. Did it have the, Again, did it have the same animation variety as a 2K15 or 2K14, which I've been playing? No, but it was fun and exciting and loud. And the, the crowd reactions and the reactions of Jeff Van Gundy and Mike Breen, yeah, that was a fun game. So I threw a couple ill-advised lobs in the first quarter because I have been playing a ton of NBA Live 06 with my brother. And as you know, in NBA Live 06, the shoot button is B or circle if you're playing PlayStation. Um, And unfortunately, in Live 15, that's the lob button. And then you did a couple in the fourth quarter because you are used to playing a game recently that that was the pick button. Mm. NBA 2K14, that's the button that you use to set picks. Um, So, yeah, definitely can affect how you play uh, you know, if you haven't visited a game in a while or you've been playing, uh, you know, different basketball video games. I also want to point out in relation to how the gameplay looks, uh, you know, it's the difference between somebody making a comment on a YouTube video or on Twitter saying, you know, this game doesn't look good. How could this game possibly play, you know, compete with NBA 2K? It's no wonder why NBA Live isn't around anymore. It's a difference between that you know, with somebody who may, you know, not know basketball that well or not know the NBA that well. It's the difference between that and, uh, you know, the comments that we get on like our NBA Live 15 gameplay video where somebody said on Twitter, this looks, you know, fun AF, like fun as you know what. Yeah. And somebody else, um, you know, commented on the YouTube video and talked about how great the game looks and how great the gameplay looks and everything. You can really change the you know the way a game is received dramatically just by knowing the game right knowing the game of basketball and knowing stuff about the the you know the players that you're using and everything it can really change the reception and that's why i said marketing of a game is just so important especially during preview season right or um you know day one or day two of a release or something like that they got to get people on the sticks that know basketball and know the players that they're using. They absolutely do. They just, uh, 
giving the game no chance out of the gate if they if they don't and it is, is always nice to see those comments it just goes to show that it's worth revisiting these games with fresh eyes and saying okay we know the the drawbacks of these games we know how they came up short but what, what was good about them can you actually still have fun with them despite some of their shortcomings and i would say with live 15 absolutely yes uh live 14 is tougher obviously that was a very rough release they did correct a lot within the space of a year uh, i think they also made some great uh, improvements to live 16 as well uh, to that point it is worth noting that the momentum is probably the biggest issue player movement and momentum is the biggest issue in live 15 uh, very easy to overshoot uh, when trying to guard on ball or, or uh or try to make a move to a certain area. There are a few uh, runners, a few shots that I tried to make, some step backs and so forth, uh, that I, I didn't actually want them to be that kind of shot, but trying to stop on a dime is uh, very tough. Uh, they, I mean, they wanted to have realistic momentum that you couldn't just stop uh, unrealistically, but they went a bit too far in the other direction. Uh, once again, the animations are a bit wonky. There are, there are some weird design choices, like not having the uh, automatic substitutions option, the auto-manual substitutions options in the coach options. It's in the game settings, so you've got to, put the home and away uh substitutions on i think if you if you accidentally leave that off then the cpu won't substitute as well if you if that's off in the settings so there's weird things like that that really shouldn't have been the case in a game released in 2014 the lack of roster editing of course the very uh streamlined uh, bare bones franchise mode dynasty as it still was called at the time so those are the biggest issues with live 15 but on the sticks it's uh, it is actually fun so i have a full pros and cons list but before i get in to that um we wanted to thank the community member who actually asked us to revisit this game and talk about it on the show so i know you have that in front of you yeah shout out to uh, fit underscore t7 on instagram uh often posting very nice comments on our content uh, over there on instagram tuning into the podcast uh yeah uh, asked if we could revisit nba live 15 and we haven't played it for a while and it was a good workout for the uh, new xbox companion app the new version of that and uh, parsec worked brilliantly uh, yeah, we, we said we didn't know whether we'd be able to revisit it together, but we gave it a shot. It worked so well and we had so much fun. So yeah, thank you for that suggestion because we're always looking for suggestions for games to revisit. And uh, yeah, Life 15 turned out to be a fun one. So yeah, thank you. And because of that suggestion and because of that session that we had, it will not be the last time no. that we connect on that game. And in fact, it motivated us to also try NBA 2K14 for the Xbox One again on the same team. So we're going to have a session on that this week and we'll be able to talk about it on the next show. So I did do a pros and cons for NBA Live 15. And these are basically just targeting, for the most part, gameplay because that's the most important you and i both agree if the game isn't good on the sticks and it's not fun it doesn't matter how deep the game is depth wise right um mode wise all of that stuff the game being fun is what it's all about well i mean if nothing else you can play head-to-head or co-op against the cpu in exhibition games which can be fun as we've just proven with our session so there's that yeah right exactly that's the thing if a game has great gameplay even if it's light on modes it will still get a lot of play and often a lot of praise from the you know consumer base right through from from gamers but if the game's gameplay stinks or it's just you know not functional or it's just not overall fun or it feels grindy all of that stuff it doesn't matter how deep the game is because you're not going to want to pick up and play it right so Here's, uh, here's my list of cons for NBA Live 15. The biggest issue, um, the two biggest issues are heavy animations and player movement momentum, which you just brought up. 
but heavy animations on passes, shots on the move, you know, trying to slide your feet. It's almost impossible to stay in front of anybody in that game. You almost feel like you have to use a defender off ball in order to truly compete, you know, in, in a competitive atmosphere. Which doesn't feel um, right. That, post- that, never feels, that never feels right to do playing off ball. But it, as you say, it's, it's kind of a necessity. Yeah. I mean, you and I tried to guard the ball as much as possible. And I've been doing that since the beginning of me playing video games where I would go to head to head with my brothers and whatnot. I always try to guard the ball. I always want that responsibility. I feel like overall that's the right way to play. But NBA Live 15, because of the way the offense always has a quick, quicker feet, always has that crazy offensive player momentum where they're, you know, moving forward really fast or changing directions, you know, faster than the defender can move his feet. It just feels sometimes impossible depending on who you're guarding. So, yeah, heavy animations on passes. Passes just feel super delayed. There was a possession where you tried to swing it around the perimeter, and it should have taken maybe three or four seconds to swing the ball around the the perimeter, but it took six or seven, right? Because there's this long animation on the catch, and then you try to make the pass, and it's a robotic animation to try to, you know, swing the ball, and then, then you have to swing it again, and it's the same thing. So, yeah, the passing often feels super delayed and heavily animated is the reason. And then the post game is very robotic and it's very limited, it feels, as a result. I mean, you can do some ball fakes in there. You can turn, you know, either, you know, over your right shoulder or into the middle of the paint, etc. Like you can do some stuff, but it definitely feels very limited. There is a way to drop step as well, but you really only feel like you have like maybe three or four go-to moves in the post. One of those being actually the fadeaway, which you utilize with Chris Paul and I used with Carmelo Anthony. But I mentioned heavy animations and then player momentum when they move. When you are moving forward and you try to do like a quick crossover to change direction or behind the back or everything, your player is moved way more forward than he would ever move in real life. And it feels almost impossible to control. Um, I think that there's heavy momentum on player movement. And I think it might be my biggest gameplay gripe with NBA live 15, because oftentimes when you have the ball, you don't feel like you have as much control as you should. And you often feel like you want to make your player foot plant like he would in real life to stop and make a quick move. But the, you know, the game is forcing your player way in another direction that you don't want to go. And also, as you said, catching passes, how, 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 throw, how st- simply throwing a pass will move a player way out of position. Uh, much more, I mean, obviously, sometimes players have to, in, in real life, you have to go and get a pass, uh, and uh, if it's a little bit, little bit awry or whatever, but so many passes have that long catching animation, that weird jump and, the, the jump and catch and spin, and or just simply moving them out of the position they're supposed to be in. It is very hard, as you say, to move it crisply around the perimeter or even just fire it into the, the low post or, or fire it into the paint for a, a drive for a cutting player. It's, uh, it, it's tougher than it should be. So that was definitely a weakness. Yeah. I also think the shot contest system is a little weak in that game. There were several shots that I took where all I had was blue sky and it was considered guarded. Mm. Um, yeah. And I think I mentioned that to you actually in our Twitter chat during the game. I was like, how was that considered guarded? I was completely wide open open, so i'm yeah i was completely open so um the shot contest system in nba live 15 is a little bit off 
Um, lack of signature style. Um, when I'm using Jose Calderon, it feels very similar to when I use Chris Paul. Like if I'm playing, you know, when I played against the computer in the past, it's like the dribbling feels the same for both of those players. The way they move feels pretty much the same, uh, et cetera. Obviously, Chris Paul is a little bit more effective in that game because he's quicker and he's better at finishing at the rim. And he has those little fadeaways that I wouldn't be able to hit with Jose Calderon. But as far as the you know signature style, it was way behind 2K at that point. NBA 2K15 brought in the signature size-ups. If you remember correctly, NBA 2K, of course you remember, you've been obsessed with 2K14. Um, 2K14 didn't have those. And mm. 2K15 was the first year where they brought in, like, you can do this signature size-up and dribble just like Kevin Durant. You can do this signature size-up and dribble just like this player, that player, etc. And then in NBA 2K16, they obviously expanded on that. And they did front size-ups, back size ups size inside the side size ups um but you don't have any of that in nba live 15 so sometimes when you're using players like you using matt barnes and me using like tim hardaway jr etc those guys just kind of blend in together and look basically play the same right on the court so i think lacking signature style is another issue oh it definitely is and it's not just a case of, oh, it looks better, but yeah, as you say, the, the difference in how players play, whether they do have that uh, signature shot that gets off quicker, or that move that is more elusive, uh, that sets up a uh, an ankle breaker. Yeah, you absolutely notice when players don't have the right moves that they're supposed to have in real life. It, it's not just a cosmetic thing. Absolutely. Uh, and I have two more, actually. Um, alley-oops are really strange. So you'll have a guy running towards the hoop and it looks like it should be a perfect alley-oop opportunity. So you throw it with your guard or whoever's throwing the pass and your receiver doesn't even jump for it. And it actually happens quite a bit in that game. You, you almost feel lucky if you actually pull off an alley-oop and it's not because defenders are standing in that receiver's way either i just think that it's a poor detection system yeah right agreed like there's and and it actually happened to me in the second half i think two or three times in that game where i intentionally threw alley-oops it wasn't a mistake and um amare stoudemire was running towards the hoop and he was like completely wide open and the ball just kind of like sailed over like he didn't even jump it just sailed and then it hit the court and then you grabbed it and you went on the fast break so i think the alley-oop system is a little troubling uh no camera relative controls i know that this is the case you know with nba live uh over you know for well over a decade now but you know being forced on broadcast view uh, or on any camera view to use absolute controls um I think that's kind of silly because they're offering all of these different camera options and absolute is not the preferred method for a lot of people, especially on broadcast, right? So they're limiting what gamers have for options and that's never good. Well, that's right. I mean, I, I do prefer absolute because that's what NBA Live has always used. So I'm just, I'm just used to it. So I, I never really think about camera relative, but yeah, that is, you know, you need that option in the game for people who prefer that to that point 2k has provided that option for years and that's uh, that, that's important to have so it, it absolutely is a problem as and as far as the alley-oops 
I agree that the detection system is definitely off as far as plays uh, detecting that pass and having that awareness of it. But also the the arc of the lobs. They're just kind of lofted up there, this really high-arcing lob, and uh, then players catch it on the way down. It's uh, Again, it's kind of cosmetic, but at the same time, it does also cause problems, I think, with that detection and with being able to finish. We did have a couple of really nice alley-oops anyway, but yeah, they, they could be better for sure. It feels like all lobs look the same. Yeah. Like they all have the same arc, right? Yeah. Like there's only like one or two animations or something related to how the pass, you know, goes through the air and how high the ball is arcing on those passes. And the last thing that I would say for cons, how did a game get released in 2014, Andrew, with no option for co-op? Mm. <laughs> Absolutely insane to me. We've the Co-op has been an option since the 90s right yeah and basketball video games and you're telling me that the developers didn't think of giving anybody the you know giving gamers the, the ability on nba live 15 to play co-op we can't even play co-op this isn't just a season thing or a franchise thing or a dynasty thing or whatever we can't play co-op in play now yeah in like an exhibition game we have no we there's no ability to do it and wow i mean like I said, you know, NBA Live taking away features, right? That's one of the things over the years that have hurt that franchise. You know, they took away the Legends. They took away, um, you know, All-Star Weekend. They took away other modes. They took away the deep franchise. Uh, they took away the decade teams. All of that stuff, right? And they they took away the ability to play co-op. They took the, abil the ability away, um, you know, with NBA Live 15. They took away the ability to play with multiple teams, and, you know, control multiple teams in like a season mode or dynasty mode, etc. So, and that's still the case with like NBA Live 19, their most recent release. So, yeah, taking features out and, you know, having like common sense features missing from the game, that's, that's not good. When you can't do something in a game released in the 2010s that you could do in a game that was released back in the 90s, it is a problem. And obviously there are some features that fall by the wayside because they're outdated, we don't need them anymore. But basic stuff like that, being able to play co-op or head-to-head -head in tip-off, as it's called, play now, whatever, the exhibition mode, uh, is vital. That's just a staple feature of sports games. So the fact that that was left out was, uh, was definitely bewildering. Uh, and yeah, just not having those staples, that was a problem with NBA Live through that generation. Uh, not bringing that stuff back, taking stuff out. Uh, you know, 2K continued to innovate with all these creative ideas and more depth. Uh, they didn't uh, just rest on their laurels. They kept improving modes and adding to them. Uh, they kept adding new modes as well. But, but meanwhile, NBA Live is either losing modes or they introduce something and never really follow through with further innovations. And as much as uh, gameplay is paramount, obviously... Not having those staple features and functions and those deep modes, it did cost them in the long run. Oh, it hurts. It hurt them bad. Before we go on, a reminder that the NLSC podcast comes out every week on the NLSC, mb-live.com, as well as our YouTube channel. We're also on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and other podcast apps. If you're listening on any of those apps, we'd greatly appreciate a review. To keep up with the show and everything we're doing with basketball gaming in general, connect with us on social media. On Twitter and Facebook, we are The NLSC. We also have an Instagram, NLSC Basketball. And on YouTube, we're youtube.com slash NBA Live Series Center. 
Once again, visit us at nba-live.com, where in addition to the podcast, you'll also find all of our original content, as well as our forum and modding community. Now, I want to get into the pros, because we had a fun session, Andrew. We did. That game was a blast. It's important to recognize the the cons, obviously, but yes, there are some pros for sure. Absolutely, and the game really does shine head-to-head when you're playing against another human. It just adds a whole new dynamic to the gameplay. Um etc so pace that's my first pro it really has strong pace a lot of the time if you look at some of the fast breaks on that gameplay video um where the players are running the floor and they're not only running the floor they're running the floor realistically and appropriately like they're balancing the floor and you can do give and goes um you can do those awkward alley-oops but you can throw them on the fast break overall the pace of the game feels very much like the nba in like 1450 and you can see that on that gameplay video. I think it's a very realistic pace. Um, shooting straight up and down. I think shooting in that game is actually solid. Um, and the reason why I say straight up and down is because if you try to take a shot on the move, every single player in the game takes the exact same shot. The shot looks exactly the same. It's super awkward. It's this two-handed push from your face. Um, and it looks like the player is floating above the court. Shots on the move look absolutely terrible and feel terrible in NBA Live 15. But when you shoot a straight up and down shot, like when I was stepping in and taking pull-ups with Carmelo Anthony, when you hit that three with J.J. Redick and Matt Barnes, all of that, like that feels pretty damn good. So they got that part right. Um, They did improve on shots on the move on games like NBA Live 19. Um, Shots on the move feel actually pretty good. The players no longer look like they're just floating above the court. And they also retain their realistic shooting animation as opposed to everybody shooting the exact same release on that shot. Not as many two-man animations might be my favorite thing about NBA Live 15. And it can make that game more fun to play than NBA 2K23. And I think you might agree with that. Because on NBA 2K23, it feels like you're constantly being sucked into the defender, right? Or if you're on defense, you're constantly being sucked in to the offensive player. And then if you're in the mid-range on NBA 2K23 or in the post, just forget about it. You feel like you're attached to players around you. But when... And also, the other point on that is when you try to attack the hoop on the fast break, even if the player is behind you on NBA 2K23, or you you know, you know feel like you have space when you go up on one side of the hoop, you're still somehow dragged into a defender, and he makes you miss. And that's how you see those videos where people miss like six layups in a row or seven layups in a row or whatever. They're just being constantly dragged into the defender. The cool thing about NBA Live 15 is there's very, very, very few two-man animations. And it feels more like you have more freedom and control on the court as a result. So that's another one. Um, Tight dribbling when standing in place. And again, I say with standing in place, just like shooting in place. It feels pretty good to go between the legs, behind the back, etc. And Damian Lillard, if you remember correctly, teaches you how to do that. When you boot up the game for the first time, you can do that whole Damian Lillard like dribble tutorial, right? It feels pretty good when you're standing in place. And again, why I say standing in place is because once you try to move forward with your dribble, that heavy momentum and the heavy animations just start carrying you and it doesn't feel as good. Dunks are also satisfying. You really like that mellow one-handed jam 
that I did on the fast break. But you also had an amazing play with DeAndre Jordan, where there was a steal on one end and you got it up to DeAndre Jordan, who was wide open in the open court. And you did a windmill. And that's going to very possibly be, spoiler alert, in the top 10 this week. Like, how good did that dunk look and feel? Oh, that was very satisfying. And of course, there's no uh, flashy dunk control or signature dunk control as in the uh, the pro stick in 2K. So I was at the mercy of the uh, the shoot button there and what it was going to pull out. Obviously, DeAndre Jordan has a, a fancy dunk package in that game. So that was just a really, really cool highlight. And to your point about the uh, the lack of canned animations and two-man animations, the, the steal that set up that fast break or that, that wide-open dunk that he had was very satisfying as well. A couple of the blocks that we had, very satisfying. You look at some of the blocks in Live 19, they look good, but as soon as you go into that animation, you know, oh, I'm getting the block. You can feel the play getting dragged, you can see it, and it's going into that block, and there's some great, again, some great-looking blocks and grab blocks in Live 19, but they don't feel as organic. And the stealing mechanics in later lives is not uh, organic either. But I remember when I was playing Ultimate Team in Live 15 back in the day, that I really enjoyed getting steals in that game. And I did think that took a step backwards in Live 16, actually, and certainly 18 and 19. I didn't like the steal mechanics as much. But the steals, the blocks, they do feel a lot more organic, despite some of the stiffness in the animations. And yeah, getting out of the break like that with DeAndre Jordan uh, after that steal and throwing down that windmill, uh, very, very satisfying. Live 19 felt it was like push steal to foul. Yeah. That's what... (laughs) Push triangle to block, yeah. Yeah. Right. And NBA Live 19 was also loaded with two man can animations, which is why I can go back and play Live 15 and Live 16 and actually often have a better time um, as a result, because I feel like, again, I have more control. Right. And, you know, it feels more like real basketball because in real basketball, you're not being dragged into players all over the court. <laughs> this doesn't make sense. Um, so the last pro that I'm going to go over with NBA Live 15 just the graphics and the presentation, um, the halftime show, the post-game show, um, Jalen Rose commentary. It sounds like it's really, you know, what he would really say in real life about the action. Mike Breen and Jeff Van Gundy, very authentic on the mics in that game. The ESPN scoreboard, the crowd noise, the the liveliness of the lighting in that game. I love everything, basically, about the presentation on NBA Live 15. In my opinion, they knocked that out of the park. Absolutely. Absolutely. That That is one of the uh, strengths of the game for sure. And it was really cool to revisit the game and, and see these pros. Because obviously, yes, the cons stand out as well. And we can see how Live erred on that generation. But there were there are aspects that they were definitely getting right. And again, Eric, it's hard to not feel wistful when you look back and see they had snippets of it right. They had some tech that seemed like it would work. And yet they, it just couldn't come together for them on that generation. And it, it just goes to show how much Elite 11 set them back so much. Because if they'd built on NBA Live 10 and ported that to the next generation with even better graphics, Live would still be around today. Oh, no, 100%. I do want to point something out, though. You know how my brother and I stated that we've been playing a ton of NBA Live 06 lately, right? I think a huge turnoff for NBA Live 14, Live 15, Live 16, those games specifically on xbox one ps4 i think i think this is what hurt them from a gameplay perspective the most you know for people who had been around the nba live series for a while when you play nba live 06 
that game doesn't feel heavy at all. No, there doesn't. There's no heavy animations. You can get where you want to on the court. the The movement makes sense. The dribbling is tighter on NBA Live 06 than it even is on NBA Live 15. The change of direction is more realistic. Um, a lot of the things that you know you feel player movement wise, that freedom, that control on Live 06, you don't have that on Live 14, 15, and 16. Right. So that was a huge turnoff. And also the smoothness of animations. If you think about it on Xbox one on PS4, those titles should have been just as smooth or smoother than games that came out roughly a decade earlier. Right. But they're not the animations in the animation transitions um, are actually quite a bit smoother on NBA live 06 for the PC. Um, And they feel better. Oftentimes. Now, we did have a great session on NBA Live 15, and I would play it again, and I can see the pros, but I just want to make a point that I can also see why a lot of people didn't like it. I can see how the gamers who had played NBA Live in the past were turned off by it. I can see how if somebody uploaded gameplay video of it and they didn't know what they were doing, how they could be turned off by it. I can also see even if like our video went up. You, like you had mentioned, you you know, you mentioned there was a play that I showed where the ball was being moved around and you're like, you know, it looks janky, but, you know, I still got the ball where I wanted, basically. But it looks janky. Like, I don't blame anybody for looking at that footage and wanting better at that point from a basketball video game. Oh, for sure. You can definitely see those flaws uh, even within the good moments. And, uh, you know, you bring up NBA Live 06. There are a couple of dunk animations in Live 15 that I recognize from that Live 06 generation. That mellow two-handed dunk. Yeah, Yeah. that mellow two-handed dunk where I went right up over the defense, that contact dunk, that is the exact same dunk that I did with Julius Irving the the night before with my brother. I did a crossover Julius Irving during our Live 06 season and did that exact same dunk animation. So they were bringing dunk animations into NBA Live 15 that had been in the series for like a decade. And people are going to notice that. And it does uh, contribute to that poor first impression because people would say, this looks last gen. And of course, that was the PS2 era that, that we're talking about. That PC port for, was from PS2 and Xbox. So we're talking about two generations behind at that point. So, that, I mean, there were definitely problems like that in the game. But that aside, it was a very fun session. Uh, really happy that we revisited that. And yeah, I'm, I'm keen to play it again. Uh, it is a shame we don't have co-op, obviously, but that could be another head-to-head for us. Oh, no, 100%. And you'll see more gameplay videos go up on the NLSC YouTube of you know the live 14s, 15s, and 16s and whatnot because they are fun to revisit, especially head-to-head. However, before we get to the mailbag, Andrew, you know we did bring up NBA Live 06. What a fun co-op session we had on that game we've really had a lot of great sessions lately but that one specifically where we were the thunder versus the heat and we were using the amazing nlsc um 11 12 roster thank you yeah exactly created by andrew yeah i'll say it on the podcast there you go there's your flowers andrew thank you flowers (laughs) it is a great roster um but we yeah we use the thunder and you didn't use freestyle because I don't think you knew which button was mapped to it. But even without using freestyle in that session, there were just so many cool, realistic on-court at- happenings and just the pace of that game, the way dribbling feels, the way um, you know you can use freestyle superstars with Kevin Durant for for his shooting and you know attacking the rim with certain players, etc. 
that game had so many awesome moments. I think Serge Ibaka had seven blocks for us. He was just swatting everything at the rim. Um, yeah, that was fun. Yeah, talk about blocks that felt uh, satisfying in, in Live 15. In that Live 06 session, those seven blocks by uh, Ibaka, Ibaka, were uh, were very satisfying to uh, to see and to, to pull off. But that, again, a, a great battle there. Uh, rematch of, or recreation, I should say, of the uh, 2012 finals, obviously. Yeah, we, we kind of got into a hole early on as we were readjusting to the game and, uh, and playing together, obviously. Because uh, we hadn't, I don't think we played 06 Cop before. We did, but it was very brief. We remember we were using the, um, I want to say the Dream Team. Oh, that's right. That's right. We were playing the Dream Team versus like the 2016 team. And that's a powerful team to use, obviously. So you've got some, yeah, you've got more weapons at your disposal. But uh, we, we got right back into it. It turned into quite a battle, and uh, we pulled away in the fourth quarter. And yeah, man, what, what a fun game. I, it not only has me wanting to play Live 06, Derek, but also to mod it again. So you've got me into that now. I think the thing is, is that when you play NBA Live at 6, now we were playing on all-star difficulty, so the second hardest level. When you uh, play the computer on that game and you're playing it with a friend, like I always play it with my brother, right? It can be quite the challenge because the CPU hardly ever misses, it feels. And you can be like right in their face. And I actually think it's kind of a flaw in the game, but... Um, you can be like right in their face and they're just hitting contested shots on you yeah. consistently. So you have to find a way to fight through that. And the way we fought through that was instead of just doing the regular contest with the joystick, we were jumping to contest shots, which I think sometimes works a little bit better in that game. And then we were also doing everything we possibly could to stop stuff at the rim. And that's where Iblaka came in, um, came into play. But it was very important for us to consistently score and make the right decisions on offense as a result. And I was consistently using um, Kevin Durant's shooting freestyle um, and hit a few threes and mid-range shots with him. You had a couple really nice drives with Russell Westbrook, where you used freestyle um, triple threat with the right stick and you spun off of your defender and went into a jump stop and did a layup or you threw it down. Um, there's so many options at your disposal in NBA live 06 as an offensive player that that's, it makes the game often just so fun. And that's why my brother and I have been playing it so much lately is because we just want to make so many great highlights because we'll get our, you know, we're using legends and we'll get Julius Irving or Clyde Drexler or Michael Jordan or something like that on the wing. And we just want to go to town. We're going to do some foot fakes. We're going to get into, you know, we're going to pump fake sweep. We're going to get a quick first step and then cross over and then go into a jump stop and then throw it down. Um, just so many different things you can do. And then in the high post, you get Charles Barkley in there and, you know, because he's modded in there. Thank you to you. You did, you created that roster for me and you'll get him on the elbow and you'll either face up or you'll back in and you'll, you know, execute a spin move. And then you'll go straight into your freestyle superstar dunk. And then you've got this huge two handed or one handed poster dunk. I, I love all the highlights you can create with NBA Live 06 PC, and it's really fun to play with another human. Definitely. And look, that game is obviously a port from the PS2 version, as I said, so the, the animations are mid-2000s uh, quality, but there are some really good animations in there for the time, and they still look nice today. And you can still pull off realistic moves and plays with those players. You had a really nice jab step with uh, with James Harden, and then exploded out of it and hit a mid-range jumper that 
he would do in real life. And it looked really cool. Except nowadays, in 11, 12, he would take the mid-range shot. Nowadays, he would try to lock his arm into the defender and try to get <laughs> to the line. Yeah. Or he would do a traveling step back and shoot a contested three. This is true. Um, right. But that was, I think I told you in the chat, that was one of my favorite plays of the game, where I got the ball at the three-point line, and my defender was really close. He was, like, right on me. And I did, like, a pump fake, and then I brought the ball around my knees and did like a sweep to the left and like a quick first step. And then I pulled up immediately and it was splash, nothing but net. Yeah, I um, there was a lot of good moments in that game. LeBron and Wade put pressure on us and had some nice dunks, especially that Dwayne Wade dunk, um, which was the first score of the game where he just completely posterized us uh, and whatnot. But yeah, you got to, you know, watch out for the shooters that the computer has because like i said they don't miss often and you know they use the slashers appropriately i think it's a very smart computer a very smart ai in nba live 06 which must have made your you know ben gordon chicago bull season even more fun oh yeah it's very aggressive and uh, that makes it challenging obviously and very satisfying when you win uh it doesn't have the best late game logic live 06 pc they use they i'll use- agree with that yeah, yeah they, they used their timeouts very early. Uh, they weren't pushing the ball and trying to score. They were fouling way too early. That was an issue in 06. Uh, so if you can get ahead uh, by uh, about 8 or 9 in the final uh, minute, uh, they will let you win the game from the free throw line, which they which they kind of did for us as well. Uh, I even made some free throws. Uh, so yeah, we were able to seal the game that way. They kind of handed it to us uh, in that way because that's what the CPU does. But still... A lot of fun to play that game. Again, want to play it more. Want to look at uh, what I can do with some modding projects for that game. Uh, do have a few in mind that I could possibly do with the assets on hand and what I'm building on what I've already done. But yeah, Live 06 PC is always going to be a favorite of mine. Uh, still holds up today. Your basketball gaming habits are so much healthier over the last two years, right? Yeah, than they were. Um, you know, when I was first talking with you, these Parsec sessions are amazing. Um, you know, just the fact that we can revisit NBA Live 15 and NBA Live 06 together and have these great co-op or head-to-head sessions. And, you know, we had a long time playing NBA Live 10 and and whatnot. It feels really good to just go back, revisit games you want to revisit, and play games that you want to play. And that's how I want to enjoy basketball video games. I don't want to be tied into the newest game. I don't want to be tied into a grind or anything like that. Um, this is probably going to be the way I play <laughs> basketball video games for the rest of my life i agree and this is how i used to play before really getting into my career in the, in the games and really having to get on that grind every year and it just as i've said before shows how unhealthy that approach to grinding is and people say oh you just got to work to play no that's not fun uh it should be a fun journey and that is the problem with my career in, in newer games and of course if you want to skip that horrible journey you can pay for it and it's optional, yes, but when the option is between paying extra above what you've already paid for the game, and a special edition in my case for 2K23, and having a, a journey that is not satisfying, gameplay that is not satisfying, then that's not really a choice. That's not, not a good choice to have. So I'm uh, so happy that I have, have changed my habits back to what I was doing, going back and playing old games, having not necessarily playing the newest game if I, uh, if I don't want to, so yeah, I'm I'm very happy that, uh, that I'm doing that, and you know, obviously, thank you for helping me to uh, to break those habits because it, it it wasn't it wasn't healthy. And look, I had fun with my career uh, several years doing that, 
but it was definitely feeling like an obligation like oh i know how to do this i know how to grind i know how to maximize the uh, vc earnings and everything you're not playing basketball anymore you're not playing even a video game anymore you're kind of just working and that's not the way it should be no not at all when you stop having fun um when the frustration um in being bored starts outweighing the fun factor that's when you know you need to change things up um i also want to point out to the community i noticed that a couple other people mentioned that the xbox console companion that they were using is no longer allowing them to stream to their pc um what you need to do is actually download the new xbox app that's in beta right now and uh you should be able to launch that actually right from the console companion app there's a link that says um you know check out our new xbox app that's in beta so you'll click on that and you'll install that new application and sign in using your xbox one um i you know user id and password and you can hit the ground running if you need any help as far as how to stream to your pc using that new xbox app you can just google you know streaming using the xbox app and it gives you step-by-step directions on how to do that but it worked amazing for Andrew and I. Um, it immediately, you know, was workable with Parsec. So you should be able to play Xbox One games with anybody from around the world. And look, as, as crazy as it is that we can connect and play these old PC games, and even new PC games, you can obviously play 2K23 co-op or head-to-head using Parsec and bypass the uh, the in-game head-to-head uh, connection which is uh, something that i know king j mace does because of the uh for the esl so you can use it that way but to be able to use it with the xbox companion app as well so that you're streaming from your xbox to your pc to me in australia on the other side of the world isn't that mind-blowing and how good did it look yeah it looked like it like it looked like i was pl- like the quality of the image the quality of the video was absolutely top-notch. I will let the community know that this new Xbox app is way better than the console companion as far as stream video quality. Um, it looked just like I was playing straight off of the Xbox One without like streaming to my PC. And I think it looked amazing on your end as well. It just it blows me away that we're able to do this. And it really just means that the opportunities are endless as far as you know stuff to play. And of course we will revisit many titles and we welcome the uh, suggestions in that regard but uh, i think live 15 and certainly live 06 pc they're gonna have to be in our rotation Derek. but i am looking forward to trying out 2k14 but live 15 and live 06 uh definitely mark them down for the list oh yeah i think the next one after nba 2k14 that we connect on as crazy as it sounds i want us to have a session on nba, NBA live 14 because i think the community would like to see that just to see if we can make it look a bit better than uh, other videos out there exactly so yes we'll definitely be playing live 15 live 06 2k14 many other games once again please hit us up with any suggestions you may have but before we wrap up this show derek it is time to open up the mailbag to the mailman so i asked the community what nba player past or present do you play the most like in real life? And then there was a bonus question along with that that asked, when you play a career mode, do you create a player like you? So like yourself. And I think we like we, we normally do will answer the question first. Um, so Andrew, from NBA's past or present, 
who do you play the most like in real life? You know, I've been thinking, and it's been tough to come up with a direct comparison, not because I'm such an amazing basketball player in real life, but I'm just thinking, what kind of, stylistically, who do I fit? And the name that I've come up with, and it's not perfect, because I sh- used to shoot more threes than uh, than he did, and uh, and also uh, would put up the ball on the floor and drive a bit more than he did, but kind of Joakim Noah, because I would bring the ball up as a centre, and did kind of play a bit of a point centre role for my team, my, my league team back in the day. But I also used to shoot threes a bit, uh, would like to put on the floor and drive, and post up. But, but Noah's the one that comes to mind. Uh, when I started out, I couldn't really shoot, so I kind of modeled my game after uh, Dennis Rodman. Loved to rebound, or even to even after I was able to shoot. Rebounding was something I took pride in. A bit more shot-blocking than uh, Dennis Rodman uh, was known for. But but yeah, I, that's kind of that uh, mixture of uh, that and maybe a bit of uh, Sam Perkins from uh, from downtown being the uh, a front-court player who would uh, take threes on, on occasion. So that's uh, similar to me as far as like choosing two players to kind of make up your play style. Um, obviously completely different. So I think you had stated on a prior show that you were roughly 6'4". So on your local league teams and whatnot, when you played pickup, you would be more than likely considered a big man. Right? Exactly. Powerful, yeah. <laughs> center, center, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've always been a guard. Um, so I'm six two, but I've all, I, you know, in high school, I played point guard in leagues. I've mostly always played point guard. Um, but also like in this most recently league, I actually played shooting guard. So I played off ball so I can do either. Um, the mixture that I have for my play style is Steph Curry and Gary Payton. And I'll try to get into this. And, of course, I'm speaking offensively because there is no way in hell I can play defense like the glove, right? Um, Offensively, I'm a mixture of those two because since I've been playing basketball, whether it was in high school or, you know, over local leagues over the last, you know, decade plus, et cetera, I – was a gunner from three and I have pretty good handles. So really it's, you know, using screens at the top, you know, picks at the top of the key and firing away from downtown. I'm known to shoot deep threes, you know, deeper than, you know, the average person would take. I can get really hot behind the three point line. And I do often three hunt, but at the same time, an example is with the local league that we won, uh, you know, back in 2014, uh, I also post up like I will post up if I, if I have a mismatch, if I have somebody my height or shorter on me and in our finals in the 2014 local league, um, I had this kid on me who was a couple inches shorter than me, but a little bit weaker than me as well. And I went, um, right to the block and scored on him multiple times in a row with little fadeaways, um, up and unders, etc. kind of like Gary Payton did, right? In real life, I don't know if a lot of people, especially the younger crowd, remember that Gary Payton um, had to be feared in the post. He would often turn his back to his defender and back him down. So I would say for me, um, mixture between Curry and um, and Gary Payton. Uh, defensively, uh, <laughs> I am not the strongest de- defender. I'm a disciplined defender. I would consider myself an average defender. Um at best, but I'm definitely no Gary Payton. So playing uh, playing a guard at six foot two, were you also in the the junior leagues, for example? Were you one of the taller guards uh, going against? Uh, were there even taller players still playing uh, playing the bigs? It's interesting. So in high school, as a six two point guard, I was like the average height. 
so we played class a main um so we were playing like the biggest schools in maine in our area and whatnot and usually when i matched up with another point guard on any given night they were roughly my height and there were a couple times where they were an inch or two taller there was a lot of big teams in class a maine in local leagues um oftentimes i was a little bit taller than the point guard that was on the opposing squad but there were also some other um you know big point guards in the leagues as well the league that i just played in and just got done with um i was probably top three tallest point guards in the league but yeah overall i was kind of like a scoring point guard especially after i got out of high school um and into local leagues kind of like steph curry so I, I always consider myself more of a defensive and rebounding player i did come to enjoy scoring when i was a bit better at it and got more confident putting the ball on the floor uh the fact that i was able to develop a three-point shot actually came because of a, an injury i had somebody uh kid uh, bruce bowen me derek uh, sweep my sweep under my f- uh, feet as i was coming down off a layup and uh, had a pretty bad ankle sprain from that. And uh, I was kind of, uh, had some trepidation to drive after that. As you know, when you're coming back from an injury, sometimes you need to fight through that, but there's that trepidation at first. So I was practicing my shooting and became a decent three-point shooter uh, because of that. I think that's happened uh, in the past with other players, but there's also been players that you're reminding me of that didn't pick up three-point shooting until later in their career. Uh, Players like Brooke Lopez, Right. Like when he first came into the league, what was he, you know, back to the basket, old school center could hit some mid range shots as well, but he wasn't stepping out behind the three point line and launching them like he does today. And then remember Jack Sigma as well, you know, later in his career, really later in his career in his last couple of years is only when he started shooting threes and whatnot. I think there's a lot of players actually in the past uh, that could shoot threes. In fact, Mario Eli came out and said that Hakeem Olajuwon, used to knock down threes effortlessly all the time in practice. But I think there's a lot of play, uh, a lot of big men specifically back then that were discouraged from shooting that shot because that's not what, you know, the coaching staff wanted, right? Or team management wanted. It was a different era for basketball. But if you think about it, I think guys like Patrick Ewing and Akeem Olajuwon, uh, guys that were effortlessly hitting deep twos, um, with great form, et cetera, that if you ask them today to step behind the three-point line and knock down threes, I can guarantee you they would shoot a good percentage. I agree. that They obviously had the shooting touch. As you say, it was just uh, discouraged. And I suppose the other player you could throw out here as being that, that defensive player who could also uh, de- who also developed that three-point shot, maybe you could say a Bill Lambeer, but I don't want to be compared to Bill Lambeer, so maybe not. Right, exactly. You don't want that. You no. don't want the dirty aspect no. of I was of a clean Bill player. I was to be a clean on player. Yeah. Right, exactly. And the last question before we get to the community response is, you know, the bonus question. You know, who do you create in career modes? I can't say one way or the other because I don't do the career modes, but I believe you've answered this on the podcast before. Um, do you create yourself the majority of the time in career modes? I mean, I create somebody with my name and try and create my likeness or scan in my face. Uh, when that's uh, available in those games. I I don't create a player with the same uh, play style or even position. I usually create a point guard so that I can run the offense in those games. And, of course, playing with NLC Thrillho, love being the uh, point man there and setting up the guys and uh, racking up those glorious assists. So I'm usually playing... uh, 
I'm, I'm playing a, uh, a point guard rather than a uh, power forward or center as I used to play in the local league. And of course, I give myself animations that, uh, that I can't pull off in real life, all kinds of spectacular dunks and so forth, at least without the aid of a trampoline or an adjustable hoop that comes down to uh, seven uh, to eight and a half feet or whatever to, uh, to pull off those dunks. But yeah, I'm usually creating a point guard. In NBA 2K20, I did end up creating a second player, a, a defensive, uh, I forget the exact build name, but it was a defensive rebounding oriented uh, center and was actually playing uh, that uh, in, in a, for the Sacramento Kings just as a secondary in my career, just to see what it was like playing with a, a different kind of build. And, and that was actually fun, sort of playing that more defensive-oriented with a little bit of uh, post-offense uh, center, not so much three-point shooting because of the restrictions on the build. But it was fun to play with a, a build that was a little bit closer to what I used to play. Obviously exaggerated. I mean, I'm not going to be 6'3 and a half playing center in the uh, in the NBA. So I did ratchet him up to 6'11 uh, just to uh, you know be able to play viably in the game. Uh, uh, Q-Baller, Q from the forum, actually did create a five foot seven power forward and came online with us and played as a five foot seven power forward once, and uh, that was interesting, uh, especially when he did actually dunk on somebody. But um, yeah, I, I usually uh, usually I'm not playing as myself, so to speak, in uh, in video games. But uh, future career modes, Derek, I might have to be Terry Hansen. I might have to assume the identity of my uh, favorite teammate. Amazing dunks recently by Terry Hansen on Two K Fourteen. You've been sharing them with me. He's really um, enjoying his extra minutes that he's been getting. Um, I also want to um, point out that one thing that's been awesome for me, creating myself in video games in the past. Now, not playing career modes because you know I hate that, but I have created myself in video games before. But being a 6'2 point guard in real life made it so I didn't look out of place on the court playing my natural position in the NBA. Because if you think about it, um, there's still a lot of guards in the league today that are around that height. Definitely. And if you think about players like Allen Iverson, who um, also played a little shooting, played shooting guard and point guard in his career, combo guard and whatnot, he's shorter than me, right? And D Brown was six one, etc. So being six two and being able to create myself in the past in video games and like hitting the floor at my natural position, it didn't look weird. So like that was always something I liked. And there's definitely that that sense of immersion there. And like you say, you can be that combo guard at that size. Actually, before we get to the community's responses this week, one more note on Terry Hansen. I was looking at him, uh, his profile in the roster the other day, and it looks like somehow shooting guard has been added as his secondary position. So maybe, maybe when Melo gets back, he'll get moved to shooting guard and I'll be back at point and uh, MCW will be on the bench, but we'll see. Fingers crossed, because I hate to say it, you know, sorry, Melo, but I, I like the Terry Hansen highlights more. <laughs> yeah. But I haven't seen that before, where a player gets a secondary position. Maybe I'm imagining things, maybe it was there before, but I'm pretty sure he was always just listed as a small forward, but I am seeing that secondary position now in his uh, roster listing. So, yeah, that's interesting. We'll see. Also, community, keep an eye on the NLSC YouTube, because Andrew has a special 2K14 video um, going up soon, based on his My Career. Yep, there'll be a new series, and of course those stories will be coming whenever there's a uh, fun story to tell. And of course, I have the stories, the story thread in the uh, in the forum as well. But look out for those uh, those reels coming soon. But uh, let's get to the community responses to our question now. First up, we have Stilder thirty three says Larry Bird and Akeem Olajuwon, and uh, yeah, that's a pretty deadly combination. This doesn't surprise me. Um, he's one of his high schools. Um, 
all-time leading three-point shooters and scores. Um, he showed me footage of his recent alumni game, and he was just knocking threes down from all over the floor. Um, Ken, from my understanding, is taller than I am. I think he's closer to your height. So um, he did tell me that he loves taking people down on in into the post on the block, etc. So yeah, Larry Bird came Elijah one. That does not surprise me at all. Next up, we have uh, Debo Khan says Fat Lever with a jump shot played everywhere on the court and didn't get pigeonholed to point guard until high school because I was growing into a six foot frame. Now I'm Dennis Scott threes with occasional low high post buckets. Used to create myself, no hops and everything, but not anymore. Hashtag death to park mode. And yes, the meta of the online scene has really. Uh, stifled creativity and certainly the idea of creating yourself and giving yourself a, a jump shot animation that looks like the way you shoot and other animations like that and and creating a build that reflects how you play not always conducive to the online meta so yeah uh, par play and uh, rec play and 2k pro-am have really homogenized that style and the, the build that you need to go with the uh, the optimal builds so yeah that, that is a shame but before that you could create yourself uh, and, and really have more fun uh, doing so how awesome is it to hear a community men member mention Fat Lever? Um, such an all-around player, and he did have a good tweener game, um, good slashing game, and he could pull up from mid-range. Actually, my brother and I were just recently watching a full game from the Nuggets on YouTube, and Fat Lever was absolutely excellent so um yeah go 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 back and look you know for our community go back and look at his rebounds and assists and you know the position he played in his height and all of that stuff he was a force and he was a, he was a super super all-around player i mason kog says i'd say a shot blocking jalen brunson with less of a handle and i didn't when i was younger but now i have fun playing with my personal cyberface playing like me actually rim grazing with a low dunk and all to that point, if you do stick with the NBA side of uh, of my career, you can still create yourself. But yeah, take it online and uh, you might get uh, wrecked by the meta. When he said shot blocking Jalen Brunson, for some reason, the first thing that I thought of was Nate Robinson. Because I was thinking of Nate Robinson getting that block on Yao Ming and then them going to the cut and Kenny Smith going, that's a clean block. Um, because... When you think of Jalen Brunson, Jalen Brunson is, again, you know, a small guard. Yeah, you would never think of him, you know, swatting shots or being a good shot blocker. So I, I really couldn't put Jalen Brunson in that position, like mentally <laughs> for me. Um, so, again, first thing I thought of was Nate Robinson. But um, Jalen Brunson, and he said with less of a handle, Jalen Brunson in real life, I've actually grown to really respect his game because of the way he performed with New York this year, he's kind of an old school player, the way he gets to his spot. It doesn't need to be anything fancy. He has that sweet pull up game in the mid range and whatnot. He doesn't jump very high. He's not running incredibly fast. He is just a really, really solid basketball player. Huge pickup for the Knicks. I know Jeff X in the forum was kind of iffy on him when they gave him that big contract, but has uh, really come to enjoy him as well and said, yeah, that's a great pickup, and I'd have to agree. Yeah, and I mean, he's shown signs of this stuff and his ability uh, with Dallas, mm. right? But I don't think a lot of people thought he would be able to do what he did with New York and lead them to the playoffs and be the player that they really you know, expected him to be and paid him to be. And uh, next up, we have King J. Mace, and from uh, Fat Lever to another Nuggets point guard, uh, Mace says, uh, Ty Lawson, 
with a little Raymond Felton in real life. Career mode hasn't created a player along the lines of himself as yet, but he <laughs> says, but if I can make a fat guard with Hall of Fame bully badge, I will. I can see the um, the Ty Lawson and Raymond Felton thing because he's actually shown me a video of him dribbling and shooting. Um, and he does look, uh, you know, very similar. I would say, I would say more to Ty Lawson um, in the way he plays in the limited footage that I've seen. But that's another guy that, boy, he fell off the radar fast, right? Mm. Seemed like he was being talked about as, you know, one of the better point guards in the NBA and whatnot. And then all of a sudden he was out of the league. But yeah, Ty Lawson, that's not a bad, um, you know, not a bad comparison at all. And of course, you know, Mace wants to play that uh, New Jersey defense. Yeah, the whole, uh, we from Jers, we play defense. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I've heard that. Once again, be sure to check out Mace's streams. Always awesome action going on there. Next up, we have BB8 Tech Dad says, In my prime, I would probably say a combination of Alan Iverson and Jason Williams. And yes, most times in my career, I try to be as close to as when I played as possible. Sometimes for a change of pace, I like to create a power forward type like Chris Webber or LaFonso Wallace. So I'm picturing BBA Tech Dad um, in super baggy shorts in a really oversized white T-shirt like Allen Iverson and Jason Williams in the early 2000s. A lot of people in the early 2000s would wear to play basketball just pulling off all the street ball moves. So that's what I have in my head. I have him putting the ball under his shirt and knocking it around and going through his legs and um, doing stuff that you saw in that Nike street ball commercial and everything. Um, it'd be cool if some of these people also had footage, right, of them playing um, so we could even get a better idea of, you know, how that comp works and everything. But, yeah, that's that's pretty funny. I have to say, looking back, that uh, Chris Webber is kind of a, a player I emulated as well, having the that driving ability, but also a bit of shooting and, and certainly the defense and passing as well, because I liked uh, setting up teammates. So, yeah, I mean, Chris Webber was a hell of a player. Chris Webber is one of the power forwards that, you know, was kind of like Kevin Garnett back in the day and Dirk, those three, where they could be one-man fast breaks, right? They could push the ball and, you know, they could dribble with both hands incredibly well um, for their position. Um, they got up, the, up, up, up and down the floor really well. Um, they could all shoot it from the mid range effortlessly, um, et cetera. Uh, those three specifically, um, you know, all kind of tie in together for me. Uh, next up, we have at Sweet Jones underscore OTF, big perk, of course. He says, I've been compared to Rudy Gay or Luol Deng back when he was playing basketball. Uh, for the bonus question, says that, yes, he and his uh, brother and cousins used to do it on every sports game, uh, creating themselves in the game. Only his brothers made it to the pro level, though, he says. So I'm guessing that he had the defense of Lou Aldang and the offense of Rudy Gay. Not that Lou Aldang um, couldn't explode offensively, but Rudy Gay always had uh, a more appealing offensive game and could score more points in bunches, in my opinion. I love Rudy Gay's shot, his pull-up in the mid-range, and um, his three-point shot as well. Also, Rudy Gay, when he first came into the league, was a pretty damn good athlete. Um, and he's actually aged well in the league once he lost some of his athleticism he expanded his range a bit he's turned into a better corner three-point shooter and whatnot and it's made him hang around the league a little bit longer um dang i know that you're a fan mm. but the, the combination of rudy gay and luol dang i can see it and it's a shame that uh the dang was uh, out of the league uh, as, as soon as he was felt that he still had a bit more left in the tank career just went off a cliff uh, very 
uh, abruptly and uh, did sign with the Bulls to have a uh, to, to retire as a Bull, that, that ceremonial contract, I wouldn't have minded a, a farewell tour for him. Couldn't, couldn't have been any worse than Scottie Pippen's farewell tour, so yeah. Luol Deng retiring with Chicago reminds me of Rick Fox going back to the Celtics uh, you know, at the beginning of the 0405 season just to retire as a Celtic. And the reason why that comes to mind is Rick Fox is one of my brother Mark's favorite players of all time. And we were secretly hoping that he was actually going to play for the Celtics in 0405. But I guess Rick Fox said that um, physically he couldn't do it anymore and he couldn't, um, you know, be as impactful as he would want to be. And it was mostly based on um, him not being as in shape anymore at his age. Unfortunately, he had the uh, career as an actor lined up. Yep, exactly. And he was in Eddie. That's right, Uh, yes. People remember that. He was in that Whoopi Goldberg movie, Eddie, which actually is a pretty good movie. And uh, one more response from Twitter before we head over to our Discord. Uh, ChuckLA92 says, Nick Van Exel, Penny Hardaway, Eddie Jones, and Alan Iverson. And I look at that list, Eric, and I think a lot of great ball handling, a lot of great shooting, a lot of great highlights. Hopefully he had the swagger of Nick Van Exel. Is there any player in basketball history that had, like, the attitude and spice to their game like Nick Van Exel. I mean, he would, you know, hit a three and he would box. He would like shadow box, etc. Um, he had all these different cel- celebrations and everything. He just he had so much attitude with his game and it made him really exciting to watch. I mean, I guess there's Allen Iverson who's also on that list, but uh, you know, Sam Cassell had a, a a unique dance that he liked to do. Yeah, that one's not allowed anymore. <laughs> That would get that that will get you uh, that will get you a heftier fine than he got when he did it. Yeah. And heading over to the Discord now, uh, Pep says, "When I created myself in career modes, I always add at least twenty centimeters of height to my real one." And yeah, a lot of people do that, obviously, uh, just so that it's uh, viable with your with your player. If you are under six foot, or if you want to make a, a taller player, if you want to make a big man, and you're only in that uh, six three six four range, pumping it up a little bit more. And yeah, once again, I did that when I created my big man in two K twenty. Called that my player in the middle. You can check out that uh, that article over on the NLSC live dot com, of course. And uh, even created, I was quite happy with that article, Derek, not just to talk about a different type of player and, and experimenting with a different build, but also for the uh, for the image for that article, I also uh, created a riff on the Malcolm in the Middle uh, title uh, screen. So that was uh, that was fun to do. I could never get into Malcolm in the Middle. I wasn't a big fan. I don't fan, know what it is. But, yeah, I, yeah I, I had a couple friends um, back in the day that, you know, watched it and liked it and whatnot, but it, that, that wasn't for me. But thank you, as always, to everybody who responded to the mailbag prompt. Love having that interaction each and every week. And, yeah, it's interesting to see those comparisons, Derek, and and trying to come up with those comparisons of NBA players that you play like and certainly try to emulate, and uh, and then trying to create yourself in in basketball games for career modes or even just creating a player to play in exhibitions or a season. And uh, whether you pump up your ratings or pump up your height or whether you try to make it like you wish you could play or, or whether you try to make it accurate, yeah, a lot of fun. Well, the cool thing is, is that you can do what you want, right? With the games, it doesn't have to be like your real self. 
it can be like a fantasy scenario. The whole point. Um, so you, right, you can, you know, pretend, you know, hey, what if I was seven feet, or what if I was six ten, or what if I was six six, etc. And what if I did have these skills, and what if I could bully like I can't in real life? You know what I mean? What if I can shot, you know, in the video game, swat a shot into the stands? You know, I've always wanted to do that in real life. I've never been able to, but now I can. So um, yeah, I think that's the beauty of video games is you get to live out those scenarios sometimes. Definitely, definitely. And uh, once again, stay tuned for a highlight reel where you'll see my virtual self doing things that my real self absolutely can't. That being said, that has brought us to the end of this week's show. As always, we thank you for tuning in and invite you to join us again next week, either on the NLSC, mb-live.com, our YouTube channel, or your podcast app of choice. In the meantime, please connect with us on social media. That's where you can get in touch with us. And of course, stay up to date with all of our content. So Derek, go ahead and plug the handles. Yeah, you can reach me on Twitter at D43G and at D4384. I'm also on the NLSC, D43, and on YouTube, D43. I am Andrew in the forum and Andrew NLSC on Twitter. The NLSC is on Twitter and Facebook at the NLSC. Our Instagram is NLSC Basketball. We're on YouTube at youtube.com slash Series Center. And of course, keep it locked to the NLSC itself, mb-live.com, for everything we do for basketball video games. So... Thank you once again for tuning in, and until next time, I'm Andrew. And I'm Derek. Go get buckets, everyone. <laughs>